Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. I'm excited to wrap an amazing 2019 with this New Year's Eve episode. We're closing in on almost 900,000 Say It Skillfully views. I'm inspired by so many of you around the world who embrace. We're all part of the problem and we're all part of the solution. And you're keen to say it more skillfully. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being the change we want to see in the workplace and in the world. And with that, I'm delighted to welcome my first caller, Paul, Paul from Texas. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Molly, and Happy New Year. I'm glad to be on the last show of the year. So um, I have a question, or maybe a couple rolled into one. Um, I'm in a new situation with work. I have a new job with the company. I've been there about two months, and I'm still kind of orienting and and, uh, calibrating with my director. And in the work situation, my director uh, is frequently pulled in many directions. They're feeling a lot of pressure, and this tends to lead them to very short and shallow conversations. And I can tell by their responses or some of the things they say that they did not hear or did not comprehend the essence of what I'm trying to communicate. And it seems like the more I try to clarify or to um, come at it from a different angle, the more distracted they become in their minds with whatever is next for them. And I've tried putting the information into emails, you know, maybe putting it into writing and having them see the words might work a little better. And that is really not helping at all. They're, they're way behind on emails. And then those emails that I have received a response to uh, tells me that they missed the essence again of, you know, what the, what the communication is that I'm trying to convey. And I'm just wondering what you can recommend that I can do or try to tactfully drill through those distractions or the different layers, in some cases, it almost seems like projection. Um, But to drill through that, to get them to really hear, number one, that I can tell that they have not heard or received the substance of my message. And then number two, this is what I need you to walk away from our conversation with. And um, I'm I'm, uh, having some serious challenges in that regard. Thank you for that. I appreciate the uh, frustration that can bring on. First, I want to congratulate you on the new role. Yeah, well, thank you. So let me ask, um, the, when you say they, is this one person, two people? Just help me with a bit of the context. Yeah, just one person. One person. One person. And yeah. do you know if it's something other folks in the group experience? Uh, they do... To a small degree, but the role that I'm in is a much more detailed role, and so most of their uh, communication is not, um, it's more conceptual than specific, 
And so they're able to get away with a lot more um, uh, lack of clarity than the, the areas that I deal with. Does okay. that answer the question? Yes, totally okay. does. And then um, I'm thinking about it from their point of view because they obviously don't want you to be frustrated and they don't want to um, not hear you. I'm wondering what is the impact for them? By not getting it, what are some of the downside impacts on your director? Um, some of the downsides are misunderstanding, um, possibly them uh, having a conversation with either a peer or, you know, their, their uh, vice president and conveying either wrong information or um, the wrong context. So potentially bad decisions could be made based off of the information that they took away from the conversation because it didn't understand or didn't um, take into account the nuance that can change it from a, a yes to a no or things like that. And so okay. far there haven't been any big disasters or anything, but I can kind of see it coming <laughs> and I want to try yeah. and cut it off, you know, before it has an opportunity to arise. For sure. For sure. And you're in a new place. So, do you, yeah. On a comfort level with being open with your boss, Paul, you know, and again, it's new, so it would be normal. You mm-hmm. know, I'd be surprised if it's a 10, but a 10 would be like, gosh, I feel super comfortable. One is like 10% comfortable. How comfortable mm-hmm. do you feel with the director? Um, I feel, uh, I would say on average, probably a seven or eight, but there have been meetings where we've had, you know, a full 10. So um, I'd say I'm pretty comfortable most of the time. It's fantastic. Okay, so um, you're in a good place. You want to do this, um, and because you're new, I think it's a great starting point. So you could, you know, acknowledge the boss, how busy, etc., and ask for a few minutes of quality time. Um, mm-hmm. That may be really hard, but just see if you can can get that and say, hey, you know, I'm realizing I've been here a couple months, and we'd love to do a checkpoint with the person, and you know, make this a mutual thing. So you're not just giving them input. They have a chance right. to give you input, right? And so you could just mm-hmm. tee it up and you can always blame me. I'm all like, <laughs> listen to this gal. And this is one of the things that the highest performing teams do is they really are clear on how they best work together. And, right. you know, just, you can just start asking, how do you think it's going? What's working? What's one thing you'd love to me to do differently? And, and you're throwing that out. Now, ideally, Frankly, it would be great if the boss did this. So it's sure. um, it's great for you, if you will, to model it from um, your position. And the intention is, gosh, you know, I'm here and I just want to come up to speed as fast as possible. And I want us to be as successful as possible. And I want you to look as amazing as possible. And just really oozing that positive intention and enthusiasm. Uh-huh. And that's great, you know, for folks who are really running. It sounds like this director's running ragged. And yeah. it's it's a breath of fresh air to have someone positive and upbeat. And then, you know, then you have an ask and say, you know what, one thing I've noticed, and you look them really straight in the eye, I would really feel horrible, like so horrible if something I, you know, if we had an issue that I could have prevented and you looked bad. And it make it very personal for that person because that's mm-hmm. ideally the, a place where they'll pause, like, gosh, I really don't want to look bad. I would hate for you to look bad in front of the executive team or what have you. Right, and that right. hopefully just gets a bit of like wake up and you're always like, God, I, I want, I'm saying this because I really want to make sure that we, you know, we have a great uh, partnership and are yeah. wildly successful. And then mm-hmm. just put it out there that 
I am happy to, to do things differently. I feel that sometimes I communicate and then I'm, you know, I'm not quite getting through to you. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure how to handle it. No one's wrong about it. It's the behavior. I get you're super busy. Is there is there a time we could carve out? Like what would work for you? Like you're you're there saying I'm willing to do anything. Right. And the the, the that whole meta school we've talked about the energy piece that you just you just want to mm-hmm. be able to come up to speed super, you know, quickly, and the mutual part of this. So you're not just unloading uh, that that you're you know hearing. Thank you for whatever feedback that person asks for. Um, and it's also a good time, Paul, to broaden that conversation to say, this is one thing, but let's take a step back. You may have heard this um, on some of the previous shows. You can just say, hey, you know, what atmosphere is going to help the two of us to really thrive together? And the person, mm-hmm. what do you mean? I said, what's the atmosphere? Not necessarily the tasks, but it might be um, positive. It might be, you know, tell it like it is. It might be, right. don't make it personal. So you co-create that. Jot it down. Mm-hmm. It's a few things. Same thing, like when things don't go well. For example, this person slips back into the habit. They're not hearing you, and, and you're going to bank on that happening, Paul. So what do you do, right? So do I do cartwheels? Like what is it that I'm going to do so that we can <laughs> right. get back on track? <laughs> and that lightness, right? Make it a little, it can be a little goofy, right? But we all, you know, it, it's just a way to steer a relationship. And you, you know right. It's going to go south. You know it's going to go south. So don't be surprised. Build in what are we going to, what's going to happen. I'm going to put a jingle bell on my hat and come dancing in your room. I mean, what is it sure. going to take? Because uh-huh. you want the right thing. And you don't want to feel like you're on eggshells. And by the way, it's, it's, it's just awful exactly. when you can see the train wreck coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think uh, some of the compounding factors are my director is relatively new in their role as well. And I suspect that they had a mid-level or a, maybe a, a mid term level of uh, experience in middle management and they're new in the director role. So I think there are some additional expectations and different things that they're adjusting to as well. And then mixing me in there as new and and that just uh, throws some additional dynamics. But I really like the part about, number one, I like how you come at it from co-creating and, you know, broadening the conversation and what kind of atmosphere will suit us best and how do I indicate that like with the cartwheel that you mentioned. So, and, and I love that. And, and as far as meta skills, I, I am very mindful of my posture, my, as much as I can be aware of the energy that I feel like I'm radiating. Um, and then my, the energy in my voice and, and that, and, um, I, I recall you had, I forget the gentleman's name, but you had uh, the gentleman earlier on one of your podcasts who was deep into the meta skills. I'm just wondering, I looked up the books that he has written and there are several books, but I didn't see any specifically on the meta skills. And I'm just wondering for me and other listeners, are there any um, additional resources that you can recommend? Thanks for that question. And um, I'll answer that. And I also want to go back to one thing you mentioned about your boss being potentially new in their role. Um, So the energy, you know, this meta skill, we define it as this attitude or stance with which Mm -hmm. you uh, do any work. And and think of it as any emotional state. So I love, you know, the one with, um, you know, brilliance or uh, bewilderment or fear. There's no positive or negative associated with it, just any emotion. And I think the consciousness about it and mindfulness about it gets back to some of just being mindful and present. So 
not necessarily specifically about the meta school itself, but just being able to be present. And in fact, I think it's Bruce Kazanoff you're mentioning. He just did a post yes. on LinkedIn about breathing. And I don't know if you saw that one. No, it's, I didn't. Okay. Seems, it seems really basic. And in you know the yoga meditation work I've done, your ability to really be at one and centered with your breath is a great grounding force. And mm. for the folks who um, may not have had much experience with the yoga um, or the meditation, it, it really does, you know, physiologically, it helps release the connections in the fight or flight brain. So you'll find yourself a little less jumpy. We don't have to, we're not worried about saber-toothed tigers attacking us anymore. Right. That obviously was a great survival that need in the past. And so, yeah. um, and I, you know, still in pretty high energy, I will say it's been transforming for me to be more present. Awesome. So I think whether that's gardening for you, running, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, don't think of it as necessarily having to sit in a, on a cushion or something, but I really uh-huh. want to encourage folks to, to lean into the mindfulness. And then the meta skills, I, it is a practice thing. And yeah. one of the things Bruce mentioned is, you know, some people uh, being light, and I don't mean like super goofy or, you know, a comic, but just being light isn't, the, isn't natural. They're a little more serious. So, Practice mm-hmm. being light, literally practice being light. You're in the drugstore, you know, you have these interactions with people online, you'll never see them again. Practice, sure. really encourage the okay. practice. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Molly. And uh, wish yes. you very Let me quick, quick, one quick thing I wanted to go back on, yes. Paul, so I don't forget. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a great opportunity if the boss doesn't ask you, just sit down and say, hey, could we have lunch? And spend a little time personally to the extent that both of you are comfortable. Hey, what's going on for you? I heard you were starting a new job. And model safe space and, and say, you know, what's it like for you? Um, you can ask some mm. advice, show some vulnerability yourself, Paul. Yeah. So uh-huh. encourage that yeah. you can you can really, um, if you will, lead by example that way. And you know, because to the extent, you know, rather than, well, I think this, I think that, I've heard this, I've heard that, just ask. And you sure. can get a sense if someone will go there or not. But typically, when you're just really open-hearted about it, positive about it, you could create a lot of relief for um, your director, I think. You know, they may not feel like they've got people that they can talk to, um, mm-hmm. run ideas by, mm-hmm. be wrong in front of. And, you know, if that's the kind of relationship you want to have encourage you just to, to offer yeah, that definitely. To yeah, and I think that would go over really well, too. I know that they have uh, either verbally or an email, you know, conveyed that they really appreciate uh, my support and my encouragement, which I, you know, wasn't, that's not the thought that I was having, but just in, in the way, you know, I've communicated with them. So I think they'd be very open to that. And uh, definitely, I want to be, you know, someone who they see as a, um, someone they can partner with who they can be wrong in front of and who they can um, use as a sounding board, kind of, you know what I mean? So I think that's, I think that's excellent. And I've been taking a lot of notes. I'm definitely going to implement those in the new year when I go back to work. That's fantastic. Well, I appreciate that top takeaway, Paul. I, I'm grateful you're spending some time with me on New Year's Eve. Um, and uh, most of all, I really thank you for being part of the solution. And obviously, if I can help you in the future, don't hesitate to reach out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Molly. Happy New Year. Same to you. Okay. We will shift gears to the Bay Area now. And I am thrilled to uh, welcome Jeff. Jeff from the Bay Area. Welcome to the show. Hi, Molly. First of all, I just want to tell you I 
really enjoyed listening to your conversation with Paul, and I thought those were really good suggestions for him. And second, uh, happy end of 2019, and I'm looking forward to 2020, and hope that you are too. Yes, I am for sure. I am for sure. So um, I'll, I'll note initially that I'm calling it a bit with a um, theoretical question in that I am mostly or semi-retired, but um, I have listened to say it skillfully, and I've been struck by the challenges that I've seen in, in my experience. Um, and so maybe just to set the stage, um, I've had the benefit of being in senior leadership position at public companies, but I've observed that even in that role, even in a senior role in a company, that unless the most senior executive, that is the the CEO, really wants to listen, um, the pattern seems to be really set by that individual. So in particular, I've observed that meetings, discussions, decisions are, are really driven by not a surprise, uh, the CEO's opinion, or the person that talks the most uh, versus the person who has the most to contribute during a discussion. And I've observed this not just in, in my own company, but in meetings with CEOs and most of the companies that, that I've worked with. It's almost as though the CEO, and, I, and I'm specifically um, mentioning the CEO because I, I think that the discussions with less senior executives seem to be very different, but that at the CEO level, it's almost as though they've come to believe that they need to manage in that particular way, in that they need to establish that they know the answers, and if not, it's almost a sign of weakness. So I'm wondering what your opinions are in in that particular situation. I love that you brought this up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff, because I think there's a lot of people nodding their heads, myself included. And what you brought up, I think, has something that's very related to the 85% of the world's employees, according to Gallup's survey, that are disengaged or actively disengaged at work. And it it is a bit of that sense of futility, like, this is just never going to change because their perception is at the top, you know, the lead dog doesn't really want to change. And that can certainly be true. So I've always said to folks, if if one is in an organization, and I'm going to go extreme, right, just complete autocrat, doesn't care about people, doesn't want to hear anybody, my way, the highway, if that really is that person's DNA and how they choose to lead, and it absolutely is their right, they're at the top of the ship, right, then any individual's real um, question to themselves isn't say it skillfully, it's like, is that really a place for you to thrive? And um, to really think about that, oftentimes I'll hear, What's the, is, it, is it really the only job? And, and I would ask folks to think about your sense of self and, you know, is that something you want to subject your to because it's a choice. And so for those folks that have a lot of compassion, not easy. Um, so I'm going to weed those folks out that really, really, really don't want to do that. And then I think to this point that the world's, um, the, the kind of way it is, the norm is, look at, you know all the answers, you're at the top, you're hard charging, you make quick decisions, you bite people's heads off. I mean, there's something about that high ego CEO role that, it, you know, it has worked. You know, there's a lot of organizations, they run fairly centralized, they're not necessarily taking full advantage, and they do fine. They're just not great 
sustaining cultures. Um, people don't want, aren't, aren't dying to work there. They're dying to leave there. Um, and I think that that's, that's part of an individual's assessment for how much um, capacity there is for folks to, to consider that it could be better. So if you get to a place where you think it's possible, then I'll, I'll share with what I think could happen. But I'm also not asking people to be unreasonable. If you really think someone really could, could care less, doesn't really care, I, I think that that's just a choice thing. So does that make sense? Just kind of the black and white on kind of kind of move out on the folks that are just really don't really care. Now, for the other folks, if you're seeing someone who you think would be open to a different way, um, appreciating that they're operating from something that that's worked for them forever, they see everybody else out there doing that. And so they're like, that's it. And so it becomes, I think, about a, a real one-on-one personal relationship with a CEO to sit down and say, hey, this is the deal. You can do anything you want. I got it. You can fire me on, on spot. I got it. Um, I'm saying I'm saying something to you because if I were behaving the way you were behaving, I just want someone to let me know. I'm just saying it's your choice. And like I said, you can fire me on the spot. So that gives that person very clear signal. I'm not trying to be insubordinate. Um, and that you're really come. It's not an easy thing for to say. And say, so here's here's what I'm noticing, and and let folks know how the behaviors um, create a reputation or a perception from other people, and then ask, is that is that what you want? No, no judgment. Is that what you want? And it's just it's it's confronting that that is going on. I don't care that people think I'm a jerk. Okay, that's great. Just checking, you know, and. If you can do so in an off setting, you know, off premise, at a lunch, sitting back, you know, your legacy, you know, you've been working for so many years, how do you want to be remembered? You, you may get someone to consider that I could, could potentially try something different. I, I you know, I, I'm not expecting miracles. I have known people. I would tell you earlier in my career, I certainly was running around much more hard-headed and hard-charging and, you know, really not that nice, um, I'm sorry to admit. So I do think that people can see the light and be like, wow, you know, that's not really who I am. Um, but it does, it is something for a, a relative personal sort of epiphany. And um, and that's a choice whether that's worth it for a person. You know, it, it, I get it. The senior team runs this way. You're in a high-profile job. Are you be, are you going to be the one to stick your neck out, not not making anyone wrong or bad for not doing it? I can understand why not doing it, um, and it at some level depends how much you care about potentially making a change or just sucking it up with what you got. Yep, <clears throat> I think that's uh, fair observations. Do you uh, have a situation, because it sounds like you've really lived this, where um, you have seen a, a CEO turn the corner? Um, I'm just curious if you've had, have you seen anyone do it, or if it really, for the most part, they've just been, you know, built one way, and they're, that's how they, they lead? Yeah. I mean, I think what I've seen, and maybe I'll, I'll answer your question a little bit differently, because I don't know that I have seen that. What I have seen, both in the organizations I've worked in and with colleagues with, who have worked with CEOs like that, that those individuals, those other senior executives, 
decide that for whatever reason, and I'm not going to necessarily go into all the reasons why I had, had decided that, that it's okay for them for whatever reason, whether it's the uh, financial security or because of the visibility of the role that it's okay for, for them personally. It may not be the greatest thing for them, but that they each choose not to manage as the CEO manages, but to manage in a manner more similarly to the mechanisms you describe and say it skillfully. In other words, they create essentially a buffer between them and their organization and the CEO. And whether it's right or wrong, I I actually have seen that quite often. Um, And I, I believe that most people who manage that way do it intentionally, that they recognize that sometimes dealing with or that there is a potentially a certain ego involved because of the public nature of being a CEO that attracts a certain type of person and that in order to build a organization below it, they can't manage that same way. They do have to manage in a more skillful manner and that they, in fact, choose to accept that intermediary role. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that that's, you know, they figure out a way to, to make it work. And I think, you know, I, 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 the reason I did this whole series, Jeff, to be honest, is that I really felt like for my nieces and nephews, you know, if you have children, that they're not going to kind of put up if with you the soul-sucking kind of environments that we did. And I don't think that leaders are, you know, they're not trying to be bad. I do think that the more people know that one can lead in, you know, a different way. Um, and that becomes more normal than folks can go there. And I had um, talked about Gary Ridge, his friend, public CEO, insane culture at the WD-40 company. And, you know, not shocking, people are, are killing themselves to work there, high retention, amazing performance. It's totally possible. Um, Dave Wharton has, runs a tugboat group and has the evergreen companies. He was in the whole private equity venture world and Dave kind of saw the light himself. Um, and there's he's not saying it's wrong to be selling companies that he said, you know, we have folks who want to create you know, hundred year companies. And I think the more that people realize it doesn't have to be in this um, way where you're lonely at the top, even that you really can really take advantage of your full talent and make work a lot easier and, and get even better results, the more that people start to realize that really is possible, then I just think we we can really affect change. And, and I'm grateful for you spending time because I think this is the kind of hard conversations and, and I think across boardrooms, across um, senior teams, gosh, I would love people to say, look at how are we part of the problem? If people just pause for a moment and say, you know what, we are part of the problem. How are we part of the problem? And Let's own it. And if folks did that, wow, I think we'd be in a whole new, a whole new place. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, and I do think that you know, perhaps as this generation of senior leaders you know, moves on to other roles and other people move in to take their place, there is more of an opportunity for that to occur as well. Great, great. You're fantastic to uh, to call in. Do you have a particular? takeaway or thought you'd like to leave with? No, I mean, I think that, you know, the, the work that you're doing is important because I think 
as you know, it's important that people realize that they're not alone in these views, that many people feel them and experience them. And I think sometimes, uh, particularly in you know, senior leadership roles, it's easy to feel isolated. And I think one of the things that you, know, you do with um, your work is you make it clear that you know, these are not unique experiences. And I think that in and of itself is a very powerful tool to uh, be willing to consider making change, to realize you're not the only one doing it. That's awesome. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate your making time. Uh, Thank you for being part of the solution. I wish you and your family a wonderful start to the new year. Thank you, Molly. You too. We'll take a quick break now. You're listening to Say It Skillful. I'm your host, Molly Chang. I'll be back live with you shortly. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Our sponsor for this show is CEO Works, the value coaching company. CEO Works is an executive advisory education company that advances the work of human capital. I've partnered with them on client projects, certified as a value coach myself, and seen the impacts firsthand. They have a unique approach to creating value quickly through talent. By identifying the most critical roles, designing the roles, then powering them up with the right incredible talent, their model coaches the ecosystem all around the talent to produce leaps in value. Their focus is not only on the talent, but also on the role-talent combination. The CEO Works team believes we can improve the world by improving business. I encourage you to find out more at ceoworks.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Say It Skillfully, featuring your host, Molly Chang. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or join the conversation on LinkedIn and Twitter with the hashtag, Say It Skillfully. Now back to your program. Welcome back. Our caller now is Brad from the beautiful mountains of Colorado. Brad, thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure. So, Brad, what uh, little conversation or situation can I help you with today? Hey, thanks, and thanks for uh, taking my call and taking some time. So, I, I've seen uh, come up, you know, in many different scenarios, whether it's in uh, business and leadership and relationship this this dynamic of when somebody's uh, you know delivering a piece of work uh, a project or in a specific scenario in a relationship and you just feel like they're they're not they're not really putting an earnest effort into it and just curious uh, you know how you approach those things in a way that doesn't demotivate somebody uh, by you know quashing the efforts they've made but also at the same time uh, sends a signal that the it needs to be more of a, an earnest effort applied. That's a great question, Brad. I uh, appreciate that. And we all have different levels of um, all in. Um, and sometimes it's easy to think our definition of, you know, giving it our all or giving um, 
a good day's work is different. And, and it's just important to acknowledge people may have different levels of that. Um, so I'll take this on two ways. One is if you're starting a new relationship, um, it might be a new teammate, could be a subordinate boss, um, employee kind of relationship. And um, similar to what I mentioned to Paul earlier, just that ability to be upfront about what good looks like and what are our expectations. And, you know, I like to lead in because the, the data proves this out, that look at the, the folks that um, really focus on the relationship part of work versus the task will outperform. So, you know, let's just really focus on um, that for a bit. It may seem like we have a lot of work to do, but if we really take care of who we are and we can see each other for who we are, we're going to really be a much better uh, as teammates. And so for groups that are open to that, that's that great opportunity to then think about um, who are we, spend a little time getting to know who people are at their core. They're not just a coworker who does X task. They really have a story behind them. And I just encourage folks, it's, just, it's always a good investment to spend some time. Um, and if you're leading the dialogue to be able to be a bit vulnerable and share things about your life that weren't so easy or were a bit of a struggle, it just starts to bring out the humanity in work. And that is always uh, paid dividends. Um, so once we have that, it's easier to have some of these kinds of conversations. So I just preface that, that ideally you'd have that sort of thing. Um, in a situation where you're kind of just coming into a situation, you're, it's easy to be um, judging. It's easy to be judging. And, um, and I'm not saying that person perhaps isn't working so hard, but if one can just take a breath and be really curious, so your own state is, okay, um, I may not what's going, know what's going on here, and let me be really Switzerland, very neutral, very open, um, and asking someone, you know, how are they doing? And you can lean into things like this, saying, hey, you know, we've been working together, and I'm, I'd love to have a conversation about how we both think it's going. Is now a good time to do that? And there's a mutual thing about that. And so in, in bringing someone in, and oftentimes this doesn't happen at work, Brad. So people are like, what? You're asking, asking me, like, you know, what you could be doing for me and what I could be doing for you. And just being comfortable with that within ourselves is the first thing. Because if we're not really comfortable, that will come across to the person. So being able to know that you're doing this um, to support both yourself and the other person, to have better work performance, to realize, God, this is really a necessary thing to do, not some optional thing. And then Mm. working through with someone, you know, hey, um, how, how do you... You know, how do you think it's going? Um, what can I be doing? What can you be doing? So it's more of a conversation, more general. And then you can start to hone in and say, you know, I'm, I'm really curious. Um, and I use this number sign a lot. So if you, if you might just say, we just did this project on a scale of 1 to 10. How do you think it went? And, you know, 10 is like perfect. Nothing could have been better. Or 1 is like 10%. And you, you let the person answer. And there's no judgment of you and their answer, but they may say, oh, I thought it was a nine. And you say, wow, really? That's a nine. Say more about why you thought it was a nine. So you get to get a sense for what that person is valuing, what are they considering, like, hard work or good work. And then say, that's, ah, I hear you. May I share mine? And you might say, you know, i got to be honest. For me, it was five. And the person may be, What? And so you're starting mm-hmm. to get, call this transparency, getting transparency of the different realities that you folks have about, you know, right. what good work was or what hard work was. So I'll pause right. at that moment. How's that landing for you? 
I really like it. I really like it. I uh, I love the part that is kind of setting things up or framing the ability to have that kind of conversation with those really clear expectations and that kind of first inclusive dialogue. Um, I love the idea of including the person in the in a conversation about the feedback and really understanding where they come from, as opposed to having it be just a uh, stiff kind of sequential one way and then the other way. Uh, it feels much more natural the way you're describing it to to really dialogue back and forth. That sounds sounds like that would be really powerful. Um, the suspending judgment part is is, is uh, something I heard too, which is pretty big. And um, it's actually as you were talking, it reminded me of I heard Joe Biden speak at one point, and he said uh, something to the effect of, "You can judge somebody's actions, but don't judge their intention, because." you never can truly know what they've lived, you know, their lived experience and kind of where they've been. And uh, that's helpful to me to, to think through, and you definitely sparked that idea. So, yeah, I, I really like it. That's help, super helpful. Um, I, um, I appreciate your just acknowledging sometimes the suspending judgment is not so easy. And this is the part, you know, it always starts with our relationship with ourselves, and it's so easy to kind of jump to the other right away. And if we can just stay with ourselves and really ask ourselves, like, what's going on for me? Can I articulate what's going on for me? Is that what I want going on for me? And not to deny it, because it is what it is. And then the next question with this whole energy, the meta skills is, if I bring that sort of energy to this conversation, is that really going to serve the work? And Mm -hmm. oftentimes it's not, it's like, you know, I'm annoyed. Okay, I'm annoyed. I have every right to be annoyed. Um, (laughs) And, you know, so I don't want to make anyone wrong. I get annoyed all the time. But it is a little, I don't know if you do any yoga or meditation, but that ability to just let it go, be neutral, you know, close your eyes, think about those beautiful mountains and still yourself and say, okay, I can do this. Right. And so that's, you know, the ultimate, I think, of being in service to others is to, to transcend our own self. And it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to share your thoughts on I love what you said about it, acknowledging it. It seems like that, <laughs> yeah, if I can just be aware that I'm actually having that judgment at the moment and acknowledge it, I think that's half the battle. So that's a great, great point. <laughs> I actually think it's like 80. It's literally 80%. Like I, I, I say this a lot of folks, let me just ask you, do you want to be your best friend or do you want to be your worst enemy? Totally your choice. And so often, yeah. you know, whether it's being too hard on ourselves, my guy got that feedback, um, when it's like, oh, so hard on yourself. And I thought, God, I am. Why am I berating myself? For God's sakes, you're trying really hard. No one's perfect. You know, but it's, it's, mm-hmm. we're in the society of more, better, faster, higher. So it's, you know, it can really, I think, get away from us when we think that that's just what you're supposed to do is just continue to poke and prod. Um, I just want to throw out this and, and see what you think. So my mentor, Marshall Goldsmith, has this notion of feed forward versus feedback, not to make anything wrong with feedback. It's, it's a little, it's more of the, let's look back, um, maybe this wasn't so, so great or this wasn't ideal and what do we do about it? Again, nothing wrong with it. Uh, I'll throw out and, and let me know what you think. He uh, talked about feed forward and I think of this as like, what would you wish for someone? Like, what would you love? Gosh, I would love to see you like, you know, employee of the month. And to do that, I think that what people would want to see is this kind of behavior, right? Whatever it might be about um, 
understand, you know, going the extra mile or, you know, more being more appreciative of your colleagues or whatever a specific behavior you might want that person to do. And that's carrot versus stick. And it's just that we have all these, like, employee programs that are about feedback mechanisms. Again, nothing wrong with it. But I just offer, if you think about that dream state, aspirational, you know, high dream, I wish I would love for this to be happening for you. First of all, for the other person, I think it feels like way better, right? And then you get to be this ally and someone who's creating, you know, making dreams happen. And so there's a, a much more positive take to the whole thing. Um, so I just throw that out there. I don't know if you've heard of it or what you think about it. No, I, I haven't heard of that uh, concept in, in that sort of framework or that, that name, and I, I love it. And um, it, yeah, it just it, it reminds me, uh, you know, the it's it's tough, right? When somebody's doing something that you don't like, it feels like your, our first reaction is to tell them what we um, what we don't like about it or to uh, to sort of shut that down because we don't want to support that behavior. And in a way, it's, you know, it seems like we don't function that way. We function better when people inspire us toward the things that um, we do want or inspire us towards the things that would feel better um, or be great as opposed to, you know, thwarting us or putting us down, setting us back, you know, I guess the typical feedback about the things that we didn't like. And so I, I, it seems like that's really, that flows a lot better with human nature and how we actually function. And uh, so I, I, I love the concept and I'll definitely use it. That's awesome. That's awesome. I appreciate your bringing up, and I, I call this the vice virtue, because when we have things that, like I have, I can't even go to the number of things that I do that I can't stand that I do. Um, but those things um, <laughs> in, the, in the past really served me. So there was a role for them and not to make that a bad thing either. I think lots of times people berate themselves. Uh, and so I'll use the word patience. Like that's, I'm, you know, always learning to be a bit more patient. It's not my more natural thing. Now, if a fire is happening, being patient isn't a virtue. That would be a vice. And so appreciating the judgment associated with anything is very situational and to be aware of context and not absolutes um, and to give us our, some space because I think, for me, the most successful leaders, the most successful um, folks um, in navigating relationship have a lot of range to be mm-hmm. able to kind of see things in different ways, to really genuinely be curious and, you know, listen mm-hmm. without defending. My sister shared that with me recently. Right. Thought, oh, my God, that is so great. Listen without defending. Listen without judging. And... Um, that, you know, I mean, I really, I don't struggle, but I work on that because for I remember many years, it really was for me very quick to judge. And it's just not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great. That's a great point. I like so it. I appreciate you making time for me in those mountains. I wish I were there in the mountains. <laughs> so um, <laughs> well, I uh, will just ask uh, you have a to visit. <laughs> I'm careful what you ask for. I might just do that. Um, what about uh, Brad, a top takeaway? Do you have a particular top takeaway you'd like to share before we wrap? Uh, gosh, there were there were many, but I think the the biggest one that really for me weaves through everything that you said is the inclusiveness. Um, you know, being in conversation with somebody about the things that you're mutually trying to achieve. 
and working together to define kind of a, a, a positive vision for what that looks like. So, you know, maybe that's, maybe it's encapsulated all in that concept of feed forward that you mentioned. Uh, but, you know, a positive approach to an inclusive dialogue that brings somebody to a, a vision that they are inspired by to, to get performance, um, I think is what I took mostly away from, from the thread. So thank you. Really powerful. It's my pleasure. I thank you uh, for calling, making time on this New Year's Eve. Please let me know how it goes. Obviously, if I can be of more help, don't hesitate to reach out. And uh, I really thank you for calling in and being part of the solution, Brad. You have a great wrap to the year. Thank you. You too, Molly. Thanks so much. So to close the show, I'll take um, an email question next that I got from Jim. And I am thinking quite a few folks can relate to this. Jim um, exited a role, a senior position, uh, and he exited fine um, from the company and uh, decided to take this opportunity, this gap to figure out what's next. And and I am a big fan and have done so myself, reinvented a lot. I really encourage folks um, to learn about what they've done, what they've liked, what they haven't liked. Uh, It's easy for, for folks, especially as you get more senior, to solve other people's problems not always easy to understand what are the problems that you want to solve. And so that does take time and uh, breaks between jobs can be great to do that. Jim's question for me was not so much what exactly do I do next, but he was realizing, you know, I'm a little bit uncomfortable talking to people because I don't have a job. And, you know, we define ourselves. I'm here at this role and I've been here so many years and it seems that's kind of validating for us. And I said, you know, I appreciate that. That's a bit of a vulnerability to kind of go to a party and have to say you're, you're not, you're in between jobs. It just doesn't sound great. And so to help us get through that, I offered to Jim, look, at, you can think of this really truly as a gift. And um, if the job wasn't something that you ended on your own, if you didn't leave on your terms perhaps, part of that is just embracing, you know what, this is what the universe offered and this was needing to happen. Sometimes you can't explain it fully, that's okay, but just realize, you know what, something up there, someone's pulling some strings, and the next step was, you know, was not for you to stay at the organization. If you can truly think about the time as a gift, and what a luxury to be off, and to have a serious sense of excitement, even though it's uncertain. And I, I don't want to um, have people think, ah, because so, it can be a little unnerving. You're not really sure what's next. But to be confident in yourself, because for others to be confident, in you, you've got to be confident first. And know that, look, at you can do this. You have got it. Um, so I really encourage folks to, to, from that energy standpoint, to be your best friend in this case, to consider, wow, what a gift. And then when people ask, ah, I'm so glad you asked. I have the luxury of this gap right now. And they might look at you and say, yeah, I'm just like, so great. I'm actually having a chance to step back, think about what's really important to me, and to reinvent. And I, I, I personally have done this a lot. It's never been something that's um, been a bummer for me. It's always been very exciting. And I will tell you that people tend to respond to you and, oh, like, wow, you're excited. You're like positive. You're like, look at you go. And in, you know, in that small way, you're really helping lead others to realize, you know, you could do it too. If you're not in a role that lights you up, if you're not in a role where you're, you can be your best, uh, does it make the role bad? Does it make the organization bad? Uh, but it is potentially 
an opportunity for you to take a step back, um, you know, smell the roses, um, and then craft a a new and exciting journey forward. Um, And I would love for all listeners to really be living the dream, to be who you really are, say what you need to say, and to be able to contribute in the ways that are really meaningful to you. So with that, I wish you um, a wonderful, peaceful, joyous wrap to 2019 um, and much goodness ahead in 2020. I thank you for tuning in. Uh, We'll wrap the show. Please do reflect on your top takeaways and know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed and achieve outstanding outcomes. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding, but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 